Blog Talk Radio. September 17th of 1920, the Professional Football League, which came to be known as the National Football League, uh, was formed in Canton, Ohio. Sixteen days later, on October 3rd, 1920, 100 years ago today, the first game between uh, two league members took place on the field right behind us. One of, the, one of the fun things about uh, the history of the Dayton Triangle, of course, uh, Triangle Park, the place we are right now, and as I mentioned before, we uh, successfully uh, uh, saved and, and adopted and moved to Carillon Park, the remaining locker room that was here that served the Dayton Triangle team. So thank you all for being here. All right, what's going on, everybody, today? We have a historical blog. We've got something here in Dayton, Ohio, where I'm from, that no one else can really claim because it's one of a kind. And it happened 100 years ago today. Today's a very important day because right here was where the first ever NFL game was played 100 years ago on October 3rd of 1920. And, you know, I waited to come and do this vlog for a little bit. I wanted to do it over the summer, but it's like, you know, I had the time to do it on the day that it happened, which is today. So I'm like, I'll just wait a little bit. So we're here, out here. I got my boy with me. What's going on, everybody? We got my boy, Jace. We're here. There's not a whole lot here, though, because all we've got really is this sign. Because this was where the first NFL game was played, right here on this field, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's baseball field. They were going to put an NFL field here, but they decided to just put a baseball field. And really, the only thing here, sadly, at least at this location where the game was played, is this historical marker. You know, we're, we're both from Ohio, and I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and there really isn't a whole lot to do here, but this is where the first ever NFL game was played. Why would you? and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question, over and over, sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportsbeat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spiller. So everybody, welcome to this Tuesday program, the 11th day of July already, as we stroke through the month of July. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio, Talking Sports, and today we're going to be talking about the first NFL game ever played. Now, you know, it's interesting because when you uh, ask Alexa or any of these electronic devices, you know, that give you answers, uh, you know, on Facebook or any of these things, um, Siri, uh, they'll tell you that the first game uh, was... January 15th, 1967, Uh, but the league um, was already 47 years old by then, and so that was the day of the first official Super Bowl, which, of course, as most of you know, wasn't called Super Bowl and Super Bowl I between the Chiefs and the 
Green Bay Packers out there in uh, iconic Los Angeles Coliseum. But the game, first game was, uh, and you heard the sound bites, uh, courtesy of YouTube. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about that very, very first game on October 3rd, 1920. And the two teams that played are no longer part of the NFL. Uh, the Dayton Triangles, uh, who were a uh, pretty well-greased and oiled team at the time, uh, they played that first game at Triangle Park on that uh, October day. And they played the Columbus Panhandlers. And uh, the game was uh, interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But before we do, just wanted to kind of take you through the NFL again. And, uh, you know, if you listen to subsequent podcasts from our Sportsbeat uh, station, uh, you'll hear a lot of the history of uh, how it happened. But uh, the NFL football was played uh, really before 1920. There's a conglomeration, and John Madden used to talk about it all the time. He was a real historian, a student of, of the game of football, and he brought it up many times with uh, Pat Summerall and you know a lot of the other uh, play-by-play guys that he was with on all the networks. Um, but it was interesting because the game really formulated in the most, for the most part in the Midwest, although um, they played uh, one of the games in the Allegheny uh, area of Pittsburgh. And it was a confederation, a conglomeration of a lot of loose teams that would play each other in various parks. And when you heard the, the two teenagers who did their little uh, soundbite for us uh, earlier about uh, Dayton and the uh, place there, uh, that particular field is still there, Triangle Park, as you heard, and um, that's uh, now a baseball field. It's it's basically a kind of a town baseball field, a uh, maybe like a high school type field. And the original locker room was taken to another area in Dayton. It's still intact. It's basically full of junk. They want to uh, actually refurbish it to where uh, it was back in 1920. But the league, you know, was kind of, a, as I said, this conglomeration of a lot of different teams, and, you know, players would jump from one team to the next, and they would, uh, you know, uh, take payments from uh, owners who wanted them, and then they'd jump back to a, a, another team. You know, it was kind of a, a hijinks of a lot of different things. And so, Uh, George Hallis, who, of course, most of you probably have heard of, even your younger fans, uh, the longtime coach and owner of the Chicago Bears, got along with um, Ralph Hay, who was the owner of the Hupmobile showroom in Canton, Ohio, thus the reason that the Hall of Fame is in Canton. And uh, they got together and decided that they were going to formulate a bona fide league. And so in the summer of... Uh, 1919, they uh, invited other owners to come into the Hupmobile showroom of Ralph Hay, and uh, they hammered out this league, uh, which was not the uh, NFL at the time. And, you know, so uh, what would happen is uh, it was the APFL, and then later on it would become probably 1922 or so it would become the first uh, NFL uh, logo uh, for short, NFL National Football League. So uh, 
George Hallis said that it was $100 to put in the hat for any team that wanted to join the NFL. He said privately that he was assured that nobody put any money in the hat. And they named uh, one of the great athletes of our time, Jim Thorpe, as the first commissioner. And the National Football League really was, uh, you know, very, very shaky for many, many years. It certainly didn't go over. It was nowhere near the scope of the college game that was drawing, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 plus people to come uh, look at the likes of Red Grange and some of these other, uh, you know, Doc Blanchard and some of these other great players in college. And, you know, one by one, teams fell. The original uh, two teams that are left from the NFL are the uh, Decatur Staley's, who became the Chicago Bears, and the Racine Cardinals, who became the Arizona Cardinals. They, of course, had a lot of uh, things transpire. They started as the Racine Cardinals, then they went uh, to the Chicago Cardinals. They were there at the same time the Bears were there. Uh, they were a powerhouse game. Played that famous 1948 snow game in Philadelphia where um, <clears throat> some of the players had a hard time getting to the stadium because of the snowstorm. Uh, and then, of course, they moved to St. Louis. We remember Jim Hart, the uh, great quarterback for them, and um, players like Terry Metcalf and all of those players, Conrad Dobler. <clears throat> and then they would move to Arizona, and uh, this, those two teams are the only ones remaining. So that's kind of how the league started, and it really didn't become a national powerhouse of a league until the 1958 championship game at Yankee Stadium between Johnny Unitas's uh, Baltimore Colts then and Frank Gifford's New York Giants. And, of course, that game uh, really was the game that transpired everybody into watching football. It went into overtime. It was on CBS. There was only three networks then. Uh, at the dinner hour, people were kind of uh, glued to this game, and uh, they became synonymous then with football. And slowly then through the 60s and even the 70s, football really took over as what you might say the national pastime because baseball is nowhere near it. Neither is basketball or hockey. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people not watching a lot of those uh, sports, and even football is in danger of losing a lot of fans, mainly because of the politics, but also because of the rule changes. You know, it's, it's starting to become watered down. And in the early days, you know, George Hallis had said, I did everything I could to promote my Bears. You know, he would get radio, try to get a radio time, a little spot to, to say that the Bears were playing at Wrigley Field. Uh, you know, a little spot in the newspaper, uh, come and see the Bears play, and um, everything he could do. And now, of course, it's the richest league by far of any of the major leagues in the world, not just in the United States. So when we look at that first game ever between uh, the, and it was over a century ago, the first game of what would become the National Football League, a matchup between the Dayton Triangles and the Columbus panhandles. Uh, some of them say panhandles, some of them say panhandlers. Lurs probably sounds more accurate. And uh, that took place at Triangle Park, where you heard the teenagers talking earlier uh, about their uh, little video they did of it, uh, on October 3rd, 1920. So there were 4,000 people 
and they paid a dollar seventy-five for admission. That was according to the two thousand five Dayton Daily News story. Each player was paid fifty dollars. Now, a dollar seventy-five in those days was a lot of money. And uh, when I researched this, I was surprised that there were four thousand people there. Uh, because it's not a stadium, it was just a straight field, and so everybody was sitting back of everyone else. And the eight things you should know about the Triangles team uh, that uh, started in the NFL. Three factories founded by Dayton Industrials, Edward Deeds and Charles Kettering, sponsored the first team. And a story in the morning newspaper at the time touted the gridiron skills of the hometown team before the game. It said, I quote, everyone knows that the passing game is one of the strong points of the triangle team. But the triangles do not need to rely on passing game alone, the story went on, for they have backs who can circle ends and they have Louis Partlow, the demon plunger, they call them, who can puncture most any line with his terrific smashes. That's how the paper uh, called it. And Lou Partrow, the Triangles running back, scored the first touchdown in that game and was known for his unusual intense conditioning methods. To stay fit, he ran through the woods bordering the Great Miami River, leaping over roots and occasionally ramming his shoulder into a tree, a primitive and immobile form of blocking sled. So his timber training earned him the nickname the West Carrollton Battering Ram, according to the 2005 story. So the spectators at Triangle Park, the biggest crowd that ever witnessed the opening of a professional grid season in this city, glimpsed a shutout by the home team that fall day. The Triangles, as I said, won 14 to nothing. And so on October 4, 1920, edition of the Dayton Daily News summed up the players' contributions on the field. And we have pictures of uh, some of those uh, early days, if you want to peruse the uh, slideshow that we have on Sportsbeat Radio. It said the old favorites were on the job every minute. The spectacular work of Bacon, the usual grounding game of Partlow, and the squirming of Norb Sackester, the generalship of Mart, the speed and tackling of Fenner, Feel and Reese, the defense of Kinderdine, and the sturdy holding of the various athletes who were in at guard and tackle made the opening play of the season something nifty for the fans to watch. That's what the newspaper said. But it was more than a victory which tickled the folks Sunday. The all-around work of the triangles was excellent, the paper said. And that was really a look at it. Now, you know, the interesting thing was that the, you know, I'm not sure, I've never been, a fan of numbers in the press. You know, whenever they give statistical numbers, I always found their numbers to be off. Now, you know, if they were charging a dollar seventy-five, then they could have looked through the receipts and seen how many people there were. Um, that was a pretty impressive first game as far as the money part went. Charging a dollar seventy-five uh, in a time of nineteen twenty, I don't know what one seventy-five would be worth today, but uh, it would be up there when you could probably buy groceries for, you know, for $1.75 or, you know, uh, an assortment of. So the game had statistical importance because Lou Paltrow was kind of a star then in the NFL, and you heard me talking about the passing game, which was interesting because the NFL really didn't pass very much 
in the 20s in its first 10 years. Uh, it was a league that didn't have a championship game until 1932, and that's because of a tie between two, two teams. The actual official one was 1933, and that game was played uh, at Wrigley Field. So uh, some of the stars of those days were the, the interesting thing about the NFL was that there were factory towns, factory uh, teams, and then there were club teams. So the Racine Cardinals, who became, of course, the Arizona Cardinals, were a athletic club team. Guys were part of the athletic club, and they came out for the team. Uh, most of the teams were sponsored by uh, the factories. Uh, of course, America was a factory uh, haven then, back at the, the early times of uh, the early times of the 1900s. Most people worked at a factory, and so the foreman would come around and ask some of the guys if they would want to play on the team, and they would give them a jersey and, you know, uniform, helmet, whatever, and uh, they would be paid a few more bucks per, per week in their pay. And that's kind of how it started. And the triangle team was kind of like that, uh, and so was their uh, counterpart, Columbus. And both of those teams, of course, were located in Ohio. There were quite a few, uh, you know, teams in Ohio at the time. So, you know, we talked about the organizational meeting. That was held in Canton on September 17, 1920. And it was the APFC clubs with the original four clubs as well as the fifth Ohio team that played informally in what historians later dubbed the Ohio League. That's uh, the panhandles came from there. And four teams from Illinois, Chicago Cardinals, Chicago Tigers, the Decatur Staleys, which would become the Chicago Bears, uh, and the Rock Island Independents, two from Indiana, Hammond Pros and Muncie Flyers, two from New York, Buffalo All-Americans and Rochester Jeffersons, and the Detroit Heralds from Michigan uh, for a total of 14 uh, teams. And at the meeting, the name of the league became the American Professional Football Association, the APFA, and four other teams also joined the association during the year. And as we said earlier, Jim Thorpe of the Bulldogs was named the APFA's first president, but he continued to play uh, for the Canton Bulldogs. So scheduling was left up to each team, and there were wide variations, both in overall number of games played and the number played against other association members, and thus no official standings were maintained. In addition, the football teams... Uh, in the APFA also faced independent football teams not associated with the league. So, for instance, the Rochester Jeffersons played a schedule consisting mostly of local teams from their local Sandlot circuit, and the NYPFL, not the APFA. The Akron Pros, who were actually the first um, champions of the NFL in 1920, they ended the season as the only undefeated team in the association, and despite this, two one-loss teams, the Staleys and the Buffalo All-Americans, who tied Akron that year, made cases for a co-championship. So at the league meeting in Akron on April 30, 1921, the pros were awarded the brunswick bulky Collender Cup for the 1920 season, the only year the trophy was used, and had modern NFL tie-breaking rules been enforced in 1920. The Buffalo All-Americans, they were 9-1-1, one, and one, 
would have been co-champions with the Akron Pros at 8-0-3 as both teams had a win percentage of 864 and their only game was tied. While the Staley's were 10-1-2, they would have finished third with 846 percentage. And in this regard, if games against the non-APFA teams were excluded, Akron, 6-0-3, would still have won the championship with an 833%. But the All-Americans, Buffalo, 4-1-1, and the Staley's 5-1-2 would have finished equal second with 750 percentage as they did not play each other. So of the 14 teams that played, and we just mentioned this earlier, in the APFA NFL's inaugural season, the Cardinals and the Staley's, or the Bears, are the only teams that remain in the league. So, you know, when you look at the situation uh, with uh, the various teams in the American Professional uh, Association that it was called in the early days, um, it's, am- it's amazing that the NFL was able to continue. I mean, of the 14 teams, only two uh, remain. Uh, all of them going out of business, becoming defunct. Uh, it depended where you lived. I mean, in Ohio and in Indiana, football was pretty big, but if you didn't play well, team, people didn't come out to see you. So these are the teams, just so you know, the Akron Pros, uh, they had Akron League Park. That's where they played. The Buffalo All-Americans played at Buffalo Baseball Park. The Canton Bulldogs, and their head coach was Jim Thorpe, they played at Lakeside Park in Canton. Chicago Cardinals, Patty Driscoll was their coach. They played at Normal Park. And then the Chicago Tigers, Gule Falcon was their coach. They played at Cubs Park, which would become Wrigley Field. The Cleveland Tigers... Uh, played at Dunfield. Columbus Panhandles, uh, Ted Nesser was their coach. They played at Neal Park. The Dayton Triangles, Bud Talbot was their coach, and, of course, they played that first game at Triangle Park in uh, Dayton. The Decatur Staley's played at Staley Field. Detroit Heralds played at Navin Field. The Hammond Pros uh, were a traveling team, and so were the Muncie Flyers, so they didn't actually have a home field. They traveled most of their uh, existence. The Rochester Jeffersons played at Rochester Baseball Park, and the Rock Island Independents played at Douglas Park. So, you know, it was interesting because the regular season schedule was not fixed but was created dynamically by each team as the season progressed. And the first game, as we said, involved an APFA team occurred on September 26th when the Rock Island Independents beat the St. Paul Ideals 48 to nothing. Now that was the first game involving a NFL team occurred there, but the first official game between the APFA, which is the National Football League members, occurred, as we said, on October 3rd, 1920, when the Triangles beat the Columbus Panhandles by a score of 14 to nothing. And the Triangles, Lou Paltrow scored the league's first touchdown. It's kind of like a trivia question, you know, who scored the first Super Bowl touchdown? And that was Max McGee on a pass from uh, Bart Starr, who was the MVP. I think Max McGee, in all honesty, should have been the uh, MVP in that game. But uh, 
they gave it to Starr, and Starr was, I believe, the uh, MVP in the second Super Bowl as well uh, in Miami against the Oakland Raiders. So Hardlow scored the league's first touchdown, and George Kinderline, they called him George Hobby Kinderline, he kicked the first extra point, and there is, as the uh, opening remarks from the two teenagers at uh, Triangle Park, a historical marker placed by the Ohio Historical Society at Triangle Park in Dayton marks the location of that first game ever. So the final game of the season was 14-14 tie between the Cardinals and the non-league Chicago Stains on December 19, 1920. So the Staley's and the Canton Bulldogs played the most games in the season. They played 13. The Muncie Flyers played the fewest. They only played one. And the Buffalo All-Americans scored the most points all season, 258. The Akron Pros allowed the fewest with seven. So uh, in 1926, the St. Paul Ideals, who were, you know, this was a non-NFL uh, conglomeration of teams uh, lost to the Rock Island Independents 48 to nothing. Now, this was not the first NFL game. The following week, the first NFL game would take place. Now, on October 3rd, 1920, uh, there, were, there were other games, but the first one uh, was that uh, Panhandle's Triangles game at Triangle Park in Dayton, Ohio. The Wheeling Stogies lost to the Akron Pros 43 to nothing at Akron Park. This was on October 3rd, 1920. So these are some of the other games that played later after the Triangles beat the Panhandles. West Buffalo lost to the Buffalo All-Americans 32 to 6 at Canisius Field. The Canton Bulldogs, who were a real powerhouse then with Jim Thorpe, they beat the uh, Pitcairn Quakers 48 to nothing at Lakeside Park in Canton. And, of course, the Triangles won their game 14 to nothing against the Panhandles at Triangle Park. The Bears, the Decatur Staley's, beat the Moline Universal Tractors by a score of 20 to nothing at Staley Field. And the Rock Island Independents beat the Muncie Flyers 45 to nothing, as well as the Rochester Jeffersons beat the uh, All-Buffalo team by a score of 10 nothing. And then, of course, Week 10, uh, you know, there were more games. Week 17 of October, week 24, uh, I, I should say um, week 6. Uh, so the first week was uh, actually uh, September 26, 1920. Then the second week where the first game was played was October 3rd, 1920. The third week, October 10th, 1920. The fourth week, October 17th, 1920. Fifth week, October 24th, 1920. The sixth week, October 31st, 1920. The uh, seventh week, November 7th, 1920. Week eight was November 11th, 1920. Week nine, November 21st. Week 10, November 25th. This was all 1920. Um, week 11, December 1920. Uh, week uh, 10, no, uh, let's say week 10, week um, 11, week 12. So there were 12 weeks, and this is how it ended. Uh, the Akron Pros were 8-0-3. They were the champions then because they awarded it to the first-place team for the first 13, 12 years, 11, 12 years of the league. Decatur Staley's were second at 10-1-2. and 
Buffalo All-Americans were in third, 9-1-1. One, one. Chicago Cardinals were fourth, 6-2-2. Two, two. The Rock Island Independents were also 6-2-2. Two, two. The Dayton Triangles, who played that first game, finished 5-2-2. Two, two. The Rochester Jefferson, 6-3-2. Almost everybody had ties. The Canton Bulldogs, 7-4-2. The Detroit Heralds, 2-3-3. Two, three, three. The Cleveland Tigers, 2-4-2. Two, uh, the Chicago Tigers, 2-5-1. The Hammond Pros, 2-5-0. Oh. The Columbus Panhandles, who played that first game at Triangle Park on October 3rd, 1920, finished um, last. Finished 12th, 2-6-2. Uh, and, and the Muncie Flyers finished last, only having played one game, 0-1-0. Oh, oh. So that's kind of a look at, uh, you know, what happened in the first game between the Columbus Panhandle and the Dayton Triangles, who played that uh, official first game of the National Football League back on October 3rd, 1920. If you're in the Dayton area, you may want to check out that field. It's marked by a uh, historical marker, and the baseball field's right behind it, where these guys uh, tread and grace the lawn of uh, history way back in 1920, over 100 years ago. So that is kind of a look at uh, the first game ever played between uh, two teams in the NFL, no longer around, of course. The Dayton Triangles defeat the Columbus Panhandles at Triangle Park in Dayton, Ohio, by a score of 14 to nothing. Lou Paltrow for the Triangles was the star. And uh, should you go there, uh, you might want to look at the history of it, a cool place to visit. Well, I'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports, where we mention the first game in the NFL between those two teams on October 3rd, 1920. Of course, the All-Star Game tonight for the uh, Major League Baseball out in Seattle, marking the halfway point of the 162-game season. And uh, we'll see how that goes between the American League and the National League. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you soon.